Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first ever podcast of the Western New York Pride and Oil Administration. I am Tim Sampsow, and you can check us out at WNYPLA.com. Our topic for this episode will be the greatest comeback ever, the Bills over the Oilers. In the 1992-1993 wildcard game, and our guest will be former Bills beat reporter for Wham 1180 Radio in Rochester, Mr. Jim White. Before we get started, don't forget to check out WNYPLA.com. Make sure you check out the shop at WNYPLA.com. We've got t-shirts and hoodies with the badge on it. Blue and orange, blue and red, or blue and gold, whatever your shade of blue, we have it for you. Also, on Sunday nights at 9.30, we, we stay topical and current with our weekly meeting video cast. So you can see me live, ask me questions. We'll talk current event topics, Bill's training camp, Syracuse football, and get you ready for the Sabre season. Our podcast is going to dive all into the past, the past of Western New York sports history, the Bills, Sabres, and Syracuse. And what a great first topic to talk about the greatest comeback ever. Uh, and joining me to talk about is Mr. Jim White. And Jim, welcome. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Jim, you covered the team from 91 to 90, or 92 to 97? 92 to 97. It was six years, and it turned out to be the last six years of Marv Levy's head coaching tenure in Buffalo. So that was the first five of those were the last five for Jim Kelly as quarterback. The last, the last year we got to experience Todd Collins, Alex Van Pelt. <laughs> But yeah, it was it was a blast. I came out of uh, WHM radio. I was working as uh, originally in like a news reporter and anchor, and then for a bunch of the end of it, um, I produced the morning show there, um, Wham Morning News for for a bunch of years. And sort of just as a side job, they said, you know, do you want to cover the Bills? Um, a buddy of mine I had worked with named Dave McKinley, who's a he's a TV reporter in Buffalo now on Channel Two and has been for years. Dave had been doing it and was going to give it up. He had been to the first couple of Super Bowls that the Bills went to, twenty five and twenty six. And they said, hey, you know, do you want to do this? And I said, yeah, sure. It sounds great because I'm a huge Bills fan growing up. You know, it yeah. experienced uh, Joe Ferguson in Buffalo at I'm going to call it the stadium. Yes, because you know, old people. Once you get to like multiple names for things, <laughs> sure. And if I say Rich Stadium, you just sound old. Don't do that. But yeah. But anyhow, so yeah, so I got offered this gig, and they said. Oh, we can't really pay you anything extra for it. You know, it'll be a lot of overtime, but we're not going to, we'll, we'll make it good. So any, you know, it's, it was the early, it was those pre corporate days of radio when sure there was all sorts of trading going on, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll make it up for you. Uh, but it was a blast. I, I did six years of it. Um, all the home games, um, playoff games, occasional road games in Miami or Dallas and different places. Um, it was always difficult because I was never at the stadium as much as you'd want to be as a reporter because, you know, you had a full-time gig here. Sure. But you were always there for the games, and, and it's 90 minutes away. So right. there's, al there's always that. You go, all right, got to build three hours in just to drive, and then do I have enough time to do the rest of my job? So, but it was, it, let's face it, it was if you were going to pick – the time to cover the Buffalo Bills and be at the stadium and be in the locker room. You know, gosh, that was it. You got to see two, the last two Super Bowls. Didn't work out for the Bills fans the way we wanted them to. Um, but you go, there's a, just a bunch of Hall of Famers on those teams. Just, you know, yeah. Marv, Marv Levy was famous for saying, 
that the, to when the fans got grumbling that you will you will miss these players. You do not realize how special this talented group is. Oh man, and, he and knew ev- that. And every year that goes by, you're like, wow, that's more and more true. Trust me, I have the scars from the drought. That, that'll that'll be that, that, an episode where I don't have a guest. That'll just be me for an hour, just complaining about how bad the drought was. So that brings me to. So by the way, we are going to call it Rich Stadium because it was pre <laughs> it was pre renovation. It was pre reno. It was so it was it was Rich Stadium. So and, and, the, and the weird thing, of course, is that nearly every other team in the league has gone from naming it after an individual to naming it after a corporate sponsor. And the Bills went the other direction. That's right. The Bills went from corporate sponsor to Ralph, and now back to corporate sponsor. Right, because as a kid growing up here in Rochester. I didn't know there was a thing called Rich Foods. <laughs> I had no idea. Like, who is Rich? And why is the stadium named after That's him? right. You didn't know who Bob Rich I, I was. Can't. You didn't know that Bob Rich was trying to bring Major League Baseball to Buffalo at one point. You know, there's yeah. that whole thing. I kind of thought it was like Ralph's brother or Ralph's son. Yeah. Like, I thought it was just a connection to Ralph. and he Or he just liked the name Rich and wished his name was Rich. I have no idea. <laughs> so you mentioned... You mentioned that you you went to certain road games. So what was traveling? Did you travel with the team or did you travel separate? We we traveled separate. And the okay. really the, really the reason there was a couple of reasons to have you go because you're going Rochester is a long you know it's ninety minutes away. What's the let's face it the reason to have uh, me at the games or to have a guy before me at the games was because when you got to the playoffs. They were not going to credential people who were not covering the team for the whole season. Right. So, you know, a lot of people were going to want to jump in for the playoffs or, you know, in those four years, the Super Bowl. Can you get us credentials? Can you get us media badges so we can get there? And you go, that, that was not going to happen if you weren't there all along the way. So And you and, and Wham 1180 back then carried the games. Yes. It, nowadays, they don't no. and, and haven't for many years. But uh, back then... They, they carried everything. They had the Bills. They did not have the Sabres. They had the Bills. They still have Syracuse. But they also had the, uh, oh, gee, uh, what were they called? I, I don't. They had the Yankees at, at one time. Yep, they, was, they had a lot. There they was, had a lot. There was a lot. At one point, the, the Rochester Nighthawks lacrosse team was on 50,000-watt clear channel. <laughs> <laughs> so how accessible – were the players back then? Did you were, were were they easy to talk to, get interviews from, and would you say that they are more or less accessible today? From what I hear, it's it's every generation it becomes less and less because when I was covering the team, veteran reporters were like, "Oh man, back in the old days, you know, the players you could just sit and talk to a guy and everybody would talk and it was all easy and." And it certainly was moving away from that when I was there, and apparently it's moved even more than that now. Okay. But we were like WHAM. The 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 long time thing was they were the like maybe the first station in Rochester to do the let's pay a player to be on the air with us by the on the phone every week. Right, and which led again because this is pre corporate radio back when everything got traded. Um, one of the guys who was well for the long time on WHM was Fred Smurlis, who's still sure. doing things there now. Does a show of Bob Matthews yeah. every Wednesday. Yep. Um, for the long when when Fred left Buffalo, kind of as Marv came in, he was one of the veterans who got cut loose, and right. he wound up in San Francisco and then New England. And um, uh, Fred was eventually replay on Wham. Um, Steve Tasker did a show for a long time. And Steve was always fantastic. Um, and, and, and his parlay day, he was yes. been 21 years at CBS. It's, and 
Now he does the Daily Show with uh, John Murphy. When the, they're when they're live. The amazing thing to me was I'm sitting there watching the Super Bowl when the power went out and Tasker takes it. Yes. And you're like, that's Steve. Oh, he's Steve's fantastic. But yeah, the other one was um there was other people like Bruce Smith did stuff with us before. And Bruce it one the reason I say that is because I remember and, and again, all these stories come with the the preface that this was twenty five years ago and in what I remember may not be true. You know, these <laughs> memories get cloudy. But my memory of this is that Bruce Smith really wanted, you know, they were like, we get, we're going to give you something. And I believe it was a pool table and a buddy of mine at the station, he and another guy got in the truck and drove to Bruce's house to deliver the pool table. No kidding. I think that's what it was. It was some kind of, it was some kind of gaming table. And I thought, you know, today you just go, how much money do you want? <laughs> we'll write, that's isn't that how the economy generally works? Yes. But, you know, there yeah. was there was that radio thing where listen, if we can play a commercial and trade it for this, yeah, we that way no money changes hands. So, were you in Houston for the final game of the regular season against the Oilers? I was not okay. there for the twenty-seven-three last week of the season yes. debacle. Jim Kelly gets injured. Uh, Wright gets picked off a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a fiasco. And then, so then everybody kind of wondered what's going to happen come but, January third. By the way, just for for Bills fans who are younger, let's understand these are the Houston Oilers, not the Houston <laughs> Texans. Game was at the Astrodome. Attendance, and this is according to ProFootballReference.com, the attendance at the Astrodome was sixty one thousand seven forty two. And here's something that will blow Bills fans' minds. This was the Sunday night game of the week. This was the final, and and that may have been back on TNT. I, actually, in those I, days. I think ESPN. So that would ESPN have been, may yeah. have had it then. Yeah. They had a weird deal where like TNT took half the season, and then ESPN. You know what it was? You're right. It was ESPN because TNT took the first half of the season while ESPN was still doing baseball. Yeah, and then when baseball season ended. ESPN took the second half of the season. So they had to put up a Mike Patrick, Joe Theismann, and uh, Paul McGuire on the call. And, uh, yeah, Kelly gets injured in this game. The Bills actually started the game with the scoring. Steve Christie, a 40-yard field goal. They were up 3 to nothing. The game was tied at 3. They were down 10-3 to after uh, the first quarter. And uh, Buffalo never scored again. They gave up 27 unanswered. Uh, Buffalo was 2 and a half point favorites in this game and uh the over under was 41 and this ended up being under uh Wright came in for an injured Kelly and I believe it was his knee Kelly in the game was five of nine for 47 yards with a pick he was sacked once uh Wright in the game came in he was 11 of 23 for 99 yards he had two picks he was sacked six times in the game um both quarterbacks had terrible pass rings. Kelly was a 30.6. Reich was a 23.6. Warren Moon was 6 of 13 for 80 yards. He came out, and Cody Carlson finished the game for the Oilers, which were, by the way, coached by Jack Pardee. Mm-hmm. By the way, 12 of 19 for 105 was Carlson. at touchdown and interception, and he was sacked once. So, Buffalo loses this game because... Th- the Bills finished 11-5, and five, but behind Miami for the AFC East that year. So that meant that the Bills were going to host. Because remember, in those days, 
there were only three divisions in each conference. He had the three division champions and then three wild cards. Uh, so Buffalo was the first wild card, but they were the four. They were the four seed, I believe. I believe they were the four seed because the, the three seed was the other division champion that year. Um, so Buffalo has to host Houston next week, and Kelly is out. What was you were covering the team then? What was the mood in the locker room going into? Uh, this game, what was the mood from the locker room? What was the mood of the media? And what was the mood of the fan base going into this game? You know, I remember the fans calling in and, you know, people were trying to be positive, but let's face it, you know, I mean, let's put it this way. After this game, there was media push in the newspaper and certainly the people on Wham, the hosts on Wham, trying to talk about quarterback controversy. And you know what? Even with the greatest comeback of all time, you can't really have much of a quarterback controversy because even people who don't know much about football look at number 12 and you go, that guy's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Okay. Frank is a great guy. And you know what? He's a great head coach right now. He's yeah. had one year, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but, but, um, and, and listen, everybody likes Frank, but you just, it's one of those, it was one of those things you looked at it and, you know, the eyeball test told you that Jim Kelly's your starter and there's, there's really no question about it. So, yeah. So there's certainly a lot of concern about that. Um, Let's see who else. If I remember incorrectly, Cornelius Bennett misses that yes, game too did. because of injury. There's um, a famous video clip of Bennett with his on the sidelines during the comeback, and I believe Reed caught either a second or third touchdown of the game. And Bennett's got his arm over his heart and his coat, and he looks <laughs> like he's about to pass out from a heart attack. Um, so he's out. So there's Kelly's out. Bennett's out. There's a couple other big names out for this game. And the game does not sell out. No, it's it's right. I mean, it's January 3rd. So right. Christmas has just come and gone. And, you know, people apparently spent their money on other things. <laughs> and, yeah, and it was you – you get used to it selling out, and suddenly it's not. So And back then they had the blackout rule, so therefore the game was not aired locally. So and, – and just so you know, like we said, Rich Stadium, now New Era Field – this is pre-renovation. The renovation happened in 1998. So prior to this, the stadium hold, held 80,000, yeah. which is huge. The attendance, again, according to profootballreference.com, 75,141, which today at the same stadium with the renovations, it doesn't hold that much anymore. It holds <laughs> 73,000. It's, it's over. That's more than 100%. Yeah, that's that was one. Even back then, you know, people complained about the blackout rule, but you especially complained about it for Bills fans because you're like, wait a minute, we're one of the smallest markets. We have one of the biggest stadiums. Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't we be able to just get close? And the answer was, no, apparently 75,000, not enough. And, of course, they also had, what, the – was it the 72 hour rule? So it was three, it had to be sold out three days before kickoff. And yeah. You're like, oh, come on. I believe it had to be sold out by Thursday at one o'clock, yeah. which, gee, that would have been New Year's Eve if I did my <laughs> math right there. Yeah. So you're kind of, it doesn't surprise anybody that they didn't hit the 80,000 number yeah. by then. And, and, and and it's, it, sometimes they would, what would happen is if it got close, the team would ask for an extension right. if they thought that they were going to get it. And, and then, and sometimes, you know, a local business, a car dealership or something would Or swoop. Ralph himself would yeah. buy the tickets would, and yeah, then donate them. Exactly, buy the last, you know, 500 or whatever. Sure. But, but this wasn't that close. They were 5,000 away. Yeah. Um, so the game is not 
being aired. You met Van Miller. You, you, <laughs> did Van did Van have any feel any extra pressure knowing that he was going to be the only eyes, ears, and voice for the entire region? Or for Van, was this just another game? I, you know what? I, I think Van got excited for those games, but he was. I mean, every, if you were a fan, we, we were pushing on the radio was – uh, we used to push, turn down the audio on TV and listen to Van, turn oh, on Van. And, uh, and I did. Yeah, that was, they used to run, we used to run promos for that. And especially, you know, there were, there were it depended on who, to me, like doing that. And by the way, I was at the stadium for most of this, so I, I, I didn't really have to do it anyway. But right. the question would be, you know, some of the network guys I liked a lot. And then there were other crews where you'd like, oh. They just don't get it. They just don't get who it. Who was the network crew that you did? All right, wait. Who was the network crew that well, you did not like? Well, the, well, listen. The one is this. I well, it, it's not the crew that I didn't like. Paul McGuire. I adore Paul McGuire. Right. Paul makes me laugh. I think he. I think he was sharp. Joe Theismann, not so much. <laughs> Joe Theismann is not one. And by the way, one of my favorite Super Bowl stories with my buddy Dave McKinley is. Um, was it we were staying at the same hotel that was one thing about the cool thing about the super bowl is you wind up if you wind up at the media hotel you wind up with a lot of network sure and media members and somehow or another dave is a big 49er fan and is talking about joe montana and joe montana and joe montana and what he doesn't realize is what he doesn't realize is is uh, that theisman is like just ahead of him in the hallway oh and joe turns around and says i had a better year than he did that year <laughs> And we were like, wow, who knew? <laughs> but yeah, that's the, um, but yeah, that's that we used to push that was turn down the audio. So yeah, Van was just, he was fantastic. People, it was amazing when the league would do promos, when they would do commercials with different radio voices sure. on it, Van's voice was always there because he was just so good. And, and then NFL <laughs> Network snubs him from t top 10 greatest voices uh, of all I, time. I, don't, I do not get that. I yeah. do not get I got to tell you, the one thing is, do you realize that when you watch the um, the NFL Films version of that game, game. that that's a, that thing where he does the intro sure. was a was like a, a replay for them. I, th I don't know if he did it before the game or after or whatever, but right. that, I don't believe that's That doesn't look live to me for some oh, reason. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think, oh. I, think they, I think they did that for the little, camera. Little post-production maybe? Uh, maybe, I, who knows. But he, um, yeah, he was just, that was the other, one of the other great things is, is growing up a Bills fan in Western New York and listening to Van from when he came back on in the late 70s you know, back at, all through that was getting to know him through the station. So you'd go on the road to the play. We'd be in the, we'd be in Atlanta for like the last Super Bowl, And I distinctly remember going out to dinner with the station manager, you know, and <laughs> Jeff Hollett, good friend of mine, my boss and Dave McKinley. And there's Chet Walker, the morning guy. And who's sitting there with Van and Van was just, he was as gracious and as funny and, you know, it's <laughs> trust, trust me when I tell you that Van himself will be a topic to discuss in long form. He is, uh, I mean, I always tell people who didn't listen to him that he could make you shake the steering wheel, clean off your car. He was so suspenseful. You know, it's third and four. Bills trail by four. They have it at the six yard line. Thirty four seconds to go. Kelly is in the shock. Oh, he was. He was, and he was that great in in person. He was. Well, you met him. Yes, yeah, and I know that he was. He was. 
funny and engaging and we're sitting there and it's like sitting with your old uncle and he's flirting with the waitress <laughs> and he's telling stories about how all the old jokes how old am i my social security number is three how old am i i was the bus boy at the last supper and we're we're on the floor i mean he was just he was just as funny as could be so my last question before we get into the game itself the bills as you mentioned in the beginning jim were zero two in the last super bowls we know nationally at this point, there's starting to become some fatigue towards the Bills. Was that being felt locally? I mean, the game did not sell out, so that kind of makes it feel like that there were some fans that just, you know, hey, they didn't win the division, and they're probably not going to beat either Dallas or San Francisco in the in the Super Bowl. So at this point, who gives a shit? I mean, we I'm spitballing, but was there a sense that you... Because remember, I'm 9, 10 years old at this time, so... There was there was a... It was a different feel, I'll say that, because two years before, we were in the stadium, and this is before I started covering the team. I was just there as a fan for the AFC Championship game against the, the Raiders. 51-3, yeah. to three, they right. go on to Super Bowl twenty five. It's the first go-round, and that one... That one did. I mean, it's that's always going to have a different feel because all the fans and we happen to be sitting along in the in the area with a lot of season ticket holders, and they just kept staring each other at halftime because it was forty one three at the right. half, and all of a sudden, and everybody just kept mumbling, you know, they're going to go to the Super Bowl, yeah, you know, because at this point, you know, it's forty one to three, and you go, they can't. There's no way that this doesn't work out. Right, that they don't go to the, and every no one could quite believe it. You're right. This is two years later, and they've lost to the Giants, wide right, and they've <sighs> lost in Minnesota to the Redskins, and Jim Kelly doesn't remember the second half. Um, yes, yes, that's correct. So you know, so Thurman lost his helmet. Yeah. Kelly can't remember the second half. Yeah, so it's not. Yeah, so, so now you're right. It is there, there's an element of that, but there's also there's also like this, and, and I don't think people right now in Western New York understand what it was like. I look around and go, it's like when you drive down the road right now, how many Patriot stickers do you notice on the backs of cars? And there are a lot. It, it's not it's not maybe the, it's not the number one team in Western New York, but it's in the top three or four. There's a yeah. lot of Patriots it's fans. The, yeah, and hence the Western New York Prime Oil yeah. Administration. Yeah. If you go to WNYPLA.com, you can actually, we have our guidelines up there as well as my bio. And, you know, you could, you could read up on me and why I'm qualified to host this show. Um, but our guidelines, listen, you're born here. You grew up here in, in Western New York, man. You got to be a Bills fan or a, and a Sabres fan and, and a Q's. Well, Q's still different because, hey, if you went to a narcot, you went to St. Bonaventure like my wife did, you should can be a Bonas <laughs> fan. That's all right. You know, but seriously, that pride and loyalty, you know, like you're not going to go to Boston and get a good garbage plate. So why like their football team? What do you care? Liking a different team that far away is like having a favorite European soccer team. You have no connection. You pick them because of a player or the name or the stadium or whatever. Or, or, in, or in this case, you pick them because you like the winning that went on. And, yeah. that, and that's and to me the, the 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 sort of the rise of Patriot fans in this part of this in this part of the state. This is directly related and a direct relationship to the fact that the Bills have been terrible for yes. so so long. Oh. And, it's, and, and they weren't. Then it was just when you went to. When you went to the grocery store, sure. the, the lady in front of you in line would be like a 
they going to win this weekend? I mean, like people would talk about it. People talked about it with people they didn't even know. It was just, it, it was, it was almost yeah, a religion. Talk, the bills. You're oh, the bills. About, yeah, yeah. People yeah. just love the bills. And you've, you've watched, as I've watched that just kind of just recede every year. And it's, I don't know. It's, sort it's of, been starting it's to come back. You know, it's funny. It's been starting to come back, but not, but the feverish is more on the game days. And you see that with the tailgating and the reputation that the tailgating is picked up on its own. And, and of course, we're not going to get into that. So should we get into the game? Let's get into sure. the game. So <laughs> It's really two games. <laughs> yes. So we'll, we'll do the first game, which was the first half. Uh, it starts off in the first quarter, Warren Moon to Hayward Jeffries for a three-yard touchdown pass, and Houston's up 7 and nothing. Buffalo comes back, and Christie, Steve Christie, and this is his first season with the Bills. He came from Tampa, Canadian, eh? Uh, Christie hits a 36-yard field goal. Bills are down 7-3 at the end of one. The wheels fall off in the second quarter, correct, Jim? They do. All right, so we've got Webster Slaughter catching up a seven-yard touchdown from Warren Moon, uh, and then Curtis Duncan, a 26-yard catch, from Warren Moon, and then Hayward Jeffries, his second 27 yards from Moon. Al Del Greco, of course, is good on all the extra point points. It's 28-3 at the half. I think for a lot of fans, they remember it being 35-3, but it wasn't 35-3 at halftime. Oh, it no. Was, it, it, was, was, it was 28-3, and I distinctly remember standing in line for, well, this is, this is one of your benefits of being a – an NFL media member is they feed you free lunch at, yeah. the, at the press box at yes. halftime. And I'm standing next to Mike Catalana, who let's face it, Mike's think about that. Mike's still at 13. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, how long he's been at 13, but I'm standing next to Mike and I'm going, you think I could just go home now? You think I could just drive? <laughs> listen, listen, I, I could, I could feed the reports. You know, I could grab the audio off the post game show and I could make, and I'm joking. I'm not going to go anywhere, but, right. but that was, you know, that was the feeling was it was 28 to three. And you're like, they're down by 25 points, man. There's th- this is, and then, like, like it couldn't get worse. It, hold it, hold it, up. It, oh, I'm, I don't want to jump the gun. No, but. don't jump. The, we'll get to that. But that was what I was going to ask you was so. What was the, you you briefly touched on it? So in the press box in those days, were both Buffalo and the visiting media in the same? box yeah yeah you're you're yeah you're sitting and you're assigned your seat in different rows I happened to be kind of on the right side of the box I sat right behind the uh the media reps for the visiting team okay so that was kind of interesting um uh but yeah so you you were there and and one of the big rules of the press box is this is a professional working press box there is no cheering in the press box and I and I never I was not a cheering because I always thought that if you were and there were there certainly were members of the media who bordered on being fanboys you know who were just this is and let's face it it's easy to do because this is the NFL sure and and if there is a if there is a national sport in this country that's what it is people love football so the fact that you got to be close to it yeah that's pretty cool but um you're like you know don't cheer in the press box come on this is you know there's people working in this we're allegedly professionals come on um however as we'll talk about later in the game that really kind of goes out the window so so the Houston media, there were no real cell phones at this time. No. Were they, 
if they weren't cheering, how big were their smiles? Oh, that's listen. There clearly there were people who were happy on the bills, and I did not hear all. I, I usually had an earphone in and would listen to Van and the broadcast just to just to hear their thoughts about what was going on. Okay, and like. There was a time people people had the audio tapes. You can go back and listen. Where it wasn't Van, but I believe it was. I believe the color guys were Mark Stout and um, and I'm trying to think the other one. The other one went to Pittsburgh, and I can't I think of his say name. His last name was Wolf. No, the other oh. guy who went to Pittsburgh, and I can't think of. His, but they were talking about what was going to happen next week when the Oilers moved on to the divisional round. Oh. Which you know, let's face it. After we get to the next step. That's not an unheard. That's not a crazy thought. And, and and keep in mind too, you're playing with your backup quarterback. Your star linebacker is out. Taylor wearing the Spider Man long sleeves can only do so much. That's right. You know, and keep this in mind too. Thurman Thomas was stopped in this game, and Warren Moon, Hall of Famer Warren Moon, four touchdowns in the first half. Four. I mean, he's on fire. Yeah. Oh, that's, so, it is. This is this was the time when this Oilers team was finally going to get over that hurdle and go somewhere, and then well, let's let's get to the next step. Right? Well, is the stadium starting to empty at halftime? There were some people who, and that's that's sort of one of those things like the mythology around the game is people left at the half and tried to get back in, and some of them claim they got back in. Um, some of them were in the parking lot. Uh, who know who from from my vantage point in the press box it was really hard to tell where, okay. where whether people were coming or going and and what the thing was there but certainly they had a good reason to because the game the second half starts with Frank Reich throwing an interception yeah. <laughs> and that was so Frank Reich throws an interception to Bubba McDowell and Bubba McDowell returns at 58 yards it's a pick six it is now 35 to 3 yeah. and this is early in the third quarter, yeah, yeah. and and you talked about that clip with um, Van Miller, where, where you know if you watch a replay of the game from NFL Films, they don't really have Dick Enberg and the NBC call. It's more the Bills radio call with Van, and then the Oilers radio call yeah. with their much younger gentleman. I don't know who yeah. it was, but he was clearly much younger than Van, even in those days. So it's now thirty-five to three, and. That would be all the points until the very end for Houston. Oh, until, right, until the very end. Until they, until they, but he, it, that was at that point, I mean, if you had said to somebody, you know, I'll, I'll give you 100 to 1 odds, what what are you betting on that? Are you betting more than a dollar? I mean, you're just right. probably, not, probably not betting that. You're going, it's 35-3. Literally nobody in the history of the league has come back from 35-3. It's never happened. And by the way, it hasn't happened since. Any you Patriot fans trying to eavesdrop on this? <laughs> it hasn't happened since. But we did it in the Super Bowl. Don't care. <laughs> You're brutal. Brady is still a whiner. Anyway, so it starts off with Kenneth Davis. And Davis ended up becoming the better running back in this game. He has a one-yard touchdown run. It's now 35-10. to 10. And then everybody's favorite white guy receiver, Don <laughs> Beebe. 38-yard catch from Frank Reich. And, of course, the controversy of BB possibly stepping out of bounds, yeah, no but they had gotten rid of replay. <laughs> they had replay, but gotten rid of it. Can you imagine if they got rid of replay now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Replay. They had replay from, what, 85 or so to about 91, and it was just this little handheld that they would 
that they would give the referee. I, I mean, a, a boxy handout, and that's what they were using. It's not what it is today, and they decided to scrap it. Yeah, and that really that really came out of the first league, the first pro league to do replay was the USFL. The right. USFL had replay, and that was where they sort of came up with the idea of risking the timeout. Because yes. the thought was, oh, it'll slow down the game terribly. And they said, oh, don't risk a timeout. And it, yeah, but then, but then the owners sort of kind of fell out of love with it, said it was too clunky, and did away with it until, until it came back. Until the technology got better. Yeah. Now they just got to speed it up. So BB catches it, catches a touchdown from Reich. But, but again, it's only, it's only 31-17, although at this point. 35-17. Oh, sorry, sorry 35, still. It's still 35-17. So in the back of your head, you're thinking, uh, yeah, it's it. You know, it's Maybe. still three possession no, game. It's he a lot of points. In, yeah, if you're a Houston Oilers fan, it should be in good shape. And then Andre Reed takes yes. over, twenty six yards from right, thirty five twenty four. Reed eighteen yards from right, thirty five thirty one. And Reed seventeen yards from right in the fourth quarter. And can you believe it? The Bills are up thirty eight thirty five. Yeah, it's the, the first Andre touchdown at that point. People were people were beginning to make noise before that. The first Andre touchdown. Now people are really people in the press box are making noise where they're not supposed to cheer because they get the sense that they're seeing something. And and, and I hate to use the word I hate to use the word choke, but it gets thrown around with this poor Oilers team. But that was when, you know, it, let's put it this way: in a basketball game, you need to call timeout. Yeah. You know, in the in the in the major league baseball game, we need to bring in the stopper now. Um, sure. And and at this point, yeah, things just got away from the Oilers badly. And the criticism of this is that the Oilers did not slow the game down. They were running the run and shoot in those days, run and shoot offense, and they just kept slinging it. And uh, Warren Moon was 36 of 50, 50, and you're up 28 to 3 at the half and 35 to 3. Why is he throwing the ball 50 times? Were, were you and were people in the press box going, why aren't they running the ball? Yeah, and, and the ironic part of this, of course, is that the run and shoot gets developed in the pros in the USFL by the Houston Gamblers. With, with Jim Kelly. With Jim Kelly and, right. and head coach. Jack Pardee. Ah. <laughs> and you're I, like, that's that's amazing to me that it all comes back around. You know, I always knew that Kelly was a gambler, a Houston gambler. Mm-hmm. Didn't, don't worry. I didn't say anything bad about <laughs> I didn't say anything about our Lord and Savior. I'm sorry, everybody. But uh, um, that he was a Houston. I did not know, though, that he was running the run and shoot, nor did I know that Jack Pardee was his head coach. Were there people in the press box, you know, quote unquote, smart football people in the press box going, hand the ball yeah. off? Yeah. We weren't, that was not a discussion we had. We were just amazed at the fact that the Bills had shown life, at least in the, sa- the area that sure. people I was talking with. And we were looking at it from the, is there, and will they get enough possessions? Will right. there, will they, will, and the, clearly right there, if the Oilers had slowed the ball down, but, Again, it's kind of what your offense is built to do. Yeah. And if your offense isn't is built to run and shoot, then you go, let's step on the gas pedal and do what we do best. But sure. But when it didn't work, the problem is when you go three and out and you've got three incompletions, you don't run any clock at all. That's right. And Moon had four touchdowns all in the first half. And the second half, he's got two picks. And those two interceptions are free possessions. And the Bills turn those in the points. Um pretty Pretty amazing. 
to, to say the least. And by the way, a, a pretty we'll get to the full stats after, but pretty clean game. Both teams four penalties for thirty yards. That's it. All right, and Houston, despite not taking their foot off the gas, did have the ball for thirty-seven minutes and thirty-nine seconds of the game. So they had the longer time possession. Had they gotten that up to forty minutes, maybe the comeback falls short. At this point, the mythology of the fans running back into the stadium. My my <laughs> uncle, my uncle Mike, was at this game. And he was the uh, designated driver for his buddies. His buddies all wanted to leave, and he convinced them to stay. And the story that I've heard is that the fans were hopping the fence and that security just could not stop them. Now, there are only 75,000 fans in that game, but I'm sure I've heard that story from over 100,000 people. <laughs> you know, that's just one of those... It's just one of those things. I was there. I was there, too. I was there. My grandma took me. I was there. I was there. I saw it. I was there. Like, no, I don't know if you were there. You are like four. You probably weren't there. <laughs> but um, so the comeback is on. What was re- – why was the Bills offense working better in the second half? What changed? That, well, that's the question, really, because this is the team that had scored all the – I mean, this was, you know, this was the Kagan offense. This was the offense that scared everybody. And in the first half, they just went out there and sputtered. And, it, and it's just – that's the question is, is what was it – was it something the Bills were doing differently? Was it something the Oilers, you know, changed up on I, – I got I to believe the Bills reverted to form, that this was the team that – this was as good as the team should have been in the first half and just wasn't – just sputtered um but the the interesting part to me was that when we got down like this when it was when it was 38 35 um even with the time left the assumption was at least for bill's writers at least for me was this team's gonna win this team's better the Oilers are stumbling even when they tie the game we just assume bills are gonna take this now this is this is a better team wow so even (laughs) so yeah so houston Takes how much time is left when Houston takes the lead? About three minutes? Not a lot, yeah. Or I'm sorry, when Houston ties, ties the game. It, ties it. The Bills are up 38-35, and then Del Greco gets a 26-yard field goal to tie the game and force overtime. Now we're in overtime. Did that feeling that the Bills are gonna win, did that start to dissipate a little bit? At least not with the people I was talking with. No, we just, we just kind of thought, you know what, this is this comeback is going to thought, you know what, it's it's got to happen, doesn't it? And I and I think it would have been a huge disappointment, obviously, if it hadn't. But but gosh, it was just. I mean, at that point, you realize it's it was sort of like being at a baseball game and and the pitchers throwing a no hitter or a perfect game. You're like, we're seeing something really special here, and to the point where I mean, afterwards. You know, when I, I'm writing it up, and even at the time, it was obvious to me that, you know, I said, I said, this is going to be a game that people are going to talk about with like one word. They're going to say the comeback, and the comeback is going to remind you exactly what that's about the same way that wide right or 2,003 yards makes you know exactly what in Bill's history we're talking about. Sure. You realize this was something just incredibly special. And in fact, when you look back on the four super, straight Super Bowls, I mean, to me, that's got to be the high point, isn't it? That's got to be the, of that whole that sure. whole four year span. You go, that game was something really special more than 
I don't know. The, the, certainly the first one, the first AFC Championship game of that run over the Raiders, fifty-one-three. Sure. But that that comeback was. I mean, the next day. So I, I don't know if you remember him, but Charles Osgood. Yes. Charles Osgood was a was a newsman for CBS, and he used to host the Sunday morning show on CBS that your mom and dad probably watched. Um, but anyhow, he used to do a radio feature called the Osgood File, where he would he'd do like a little essay, and he'd do like four of them every morning, and they were a couple minutes long. And some of them were kind of corny, and they, he, sometimes he'd do, do poetry. And so he does a poem on one of these about the Bills' comeback the next really? day. And all about how not you, you got to persevere. You can't quit, even when it looks like you're going to lose. And it was, we, we must have heard that on Wham! a dozen times. Sure. <laughs> it sure. was people called up and requested it. We took it, and when they started talking about different players, we would went back and edited highlights into it. So when he talked about Andre Reid, we cut in an Andre Reid touchdown. Sure. And, and that thing just got, I, I do not know who has possession of that audio tape at this point, but... It's probably back in the vault somewhere, but yeah, that was one. It just it just told you that it like this game resonated beyond Western New York and beyond the NFL, so that you know like network old network radio guys, news radio guys like Charles Osgood are going. This is something I got to talk about today because it was something special. So the game ends when Christie connects on a thirty-two yard field goal, chip shot field goal, and and Van Miller of course has the famous call. It is bedlam. It is pandemonium. It is fandemonium. And then he takes a deep breath and goes, it is fantastic. And it's, and I remember I was at my aunt's house and my, and the bills were on the comeback. My mom was driving me home and uh, we drove around. So I listened to Van call that it's been entrenched in my mind. Since that day, don't ask me where we were driving around, but we were driving around and I remember sitting in the front seat, banging on the dashboard. I could, I just could not believe they pulled this off. I could. So the fans then rushed the field, correct? I believe so. Okay. I believe, you know, there's all these things that are blurring because you remember this, that when, when the game was typically for the press box with a, usually about two minute warning people would start heading down and walk down from the press box. So right. you would be in the locker room and in the, in the media area afterwards. This one, I remember hanging around until the, closer to the end. But still, I, th- I think we were downstairs for the end of this one. So that's, that's where you're kind, of, you're kind of boxed in there waiting for the end. So w- as the end happens and the players, y- you had to have two very different sets of emotions running back into oh. the locker room area. I got to assume jubilation in blue jerseys and heads down. Were there tears from Houston oh, players? The, or? The, the, I didn't do a lot of Houston stuff, but I did see some video afterwards. Yeah, and there was there there were some people who were yeah really torn up because this this Oilers team was. I don't know if there's a team right now to to pick out in the NFL, but go. This is one of those teams that clearly they got a Hall of Fame quarterback. Right. Okay, they've got some real talent. They've got this absolutely fired up offense and they can't quite get over the hump and this well let's face it this was the most painful this was the one this is the one they had they had in the bag and they let it get away from them and it just I mean it's it's hard to put in on the other hand in the bills the bills locker room you know 
you've never seen. You could have a room full of lottery winners, and I don't think you'd see a room full of happier people. Were, than were this. they were they popping champagne as if they had won the Super Bowl? It, it wasn't like that. It was okay. just it was just satisfaction because this team this team let's face it their goal back in camp was we're going to go win the Super Bowl. Right. So this this team knew how good it was, um, but just you know to do something that required that because. I mean, you go, what's what's the degree of difficulty on this one? You don't have your quarterback. You don't have your starting linebacker. Um, you put yourself in a 35-3 to three hole. I mean, this is about as difficult as it gets, and somehow they managed to find a way to climb out of it. So that's – yeah, that I, I guarantee you that, that's got to be one of the things that – you think about it. if you're If you're a member of that Bills team, you know – how, how many times in your week does somebody bring that up to you? I oh. mean, it's, it's got to happen regularly. Sure. You know, if you're a Bills player, you run into somebody at the, at the, bar, at the grocery store, or the restaurant, or the bar in Buffalo. If you're at the bar, I bet they, bet they buy you a drink every time. Yeah, and, and probably <laughs> if you're a member, I'm sure Eric would when he's back in Buffalo because he's now going to be the color yeah. guy. I, hey, he was part of the team that ended the drought. I'm sure he's getting free drinks in mm-hmm. Buffalo. They're, you know, uh, They all are. Probably even Tyrod. So speaking of the players, was there an interview after the game that stuck that that stuck out to you? Do you remember one player where like they just couldn't contain themselves, and you're like, hey, "I can't put that on the radio." Like, um, you know, not it was interesting. Players after the games, it was such a, that that was one of the, the most interesting part of it to me was they would have in the in the weight room they would have put up a podium with the backdrop behind it, and they would bring down head coach starting quarterback and usually one or two stars of the game. Right? So they had the medium they had a media room back then? Yep, they had okay. well, they, they had they used their weight room for that. And they would and you had a malt box that you plugged your microphone into so you got good clean audio from that. And um and sometimes um it would be sometimes you'd let that sometimes the strategy would be let the audio roll there and sneak up the hall and go into the locker room before everybody was gone and see how many other players you could talk to. And that was always interesting because um, just because of the personalities, the guys, one of the, like, we always, we always, buddy of mine and I would talk about strategies. What happens when they lose? Cause you know, it's easy to be happy and upbeat when you win, right? but I still need, I still need sound bites. I still need audio from somebody when they lose. And we always said the guys you could go to when they lost Daryl Talley. Daryl would always tell it like it was. Daryl was fantastic. Love Daryl. And the other one was the late, great Kent Hall. Okay. Kent Hall was just an absolute sweetheart and would take. There were other people who, you know, and usually they were stars, like guys who were in the Hall of Fame. I always got a kick out of um, Andre Reed, Thurman Thomas. Right. Because they were, if things went well, they were great. And even if things went badly, they were usually great. Sometimes when things went badly, somebody would say something that got under. And that I, that's always been, I mean, that's been true in sports journalism forever is that, you know, people who – People who hold the microphones and the uh, and the notebooks um, somehow get under the skin of the players. Sure, it, ju- it just happens. and it even happen. And it, we've had this discussion off air about the fact that it even happens in Buffalo, where yeah, it's it's this isn't New York. This isn't this isn't multiple daily newspapers and right. Oh yeah. And, and, the, and the other thing is, this is pre-internet, so there's no social media. There's no podcasters or it's bloggers. It's not a twenty-four or, hour news. Yeah, site. it isn't. It's 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 a much different thing. And even then, there were times when people got really the, the other the other the the quote that I always remember was later on. Fast forward to. Um, 96 and it's Jim Kelly's last year mm-hmm. and he's struggling 
and he breaks down and cries and says, I don't know if I can be quarterback for this team anymore. Right, and I remember and, that. And yep. everybody in the room looked at each other because this was the alpha dog. Yes. This was this was the toughest son of a gun any of us had ever seen play football. What you know, what does Daryl Talley call him? Heathcliff, he's the cat who thinks he's a dog. Can, you can know, I that double, was him. Can I double back on that for <laughs> a second? That, that was something I wanted to ask you. Kelly goes injured, and Kelly has and had a reputation for being a tough guy. But I know there's people like my dad who used to think, though, too, that Kelly would kind of feign his injuries, that, that at, at some point he wasn't as tough as he used to be. Was that starting to go around at this time? I, you know, I don't know. I remember the debate afterwards of who should start the next week in Pittsburgh. And that was the question because, you know, let's face it. On one hand, yeah, Jim Kelly came in as the number one draft pick and he was the star of the team who, had right. let, you know, who, Let's face it, he was on his way to the Hall of Fame, and I think everybody knew it. On the other hand, leading the greatest comeback in NFL history after you had led the greatest comeback in, in college, college history, history, Maryland Terrapins, uh, yeah, when when you've done that, that buys you a lot of goodwill. So there was, there was, and it, it, it certainly, to, at least in my mind, did not approach the Jim Kelly majority, but there was this minority of going, hey, we want to see Frank and, Reich play quarterback. And, and you know what? They did get to see him the next week play quarterback. So. Yeah, yes, they did. So real quick, here are the team stats from that game. First downs, Houston 27 to 19. Rushing yards, Houston 22 rushes, 82 yards. Buffalo 26 rushes, 98 yards. We'll get the Reich's passing stats in a second. Um, the total yards were 429, 366 in favor of the uh, Oilers. The Oilers actually had... Uh, two turnovers in this game, two interceptions, did Moon throw. Only the one pick six. That's the only turnover Buffalo had in the whole game. Both teams bore penalties for 30 yards, and Houston had the time possession at 37-39. Frank Reich, 21 of 34 for 289, four touchdowns, one interception. He was sacked three times. He had a long of 38 his passer rating for the game was 115.9. It was Kenneth Davis leading the way, running the ball. 13 carries, 68 yards at touchdown. He had a long of 35. He also had two catches on three targets for 25 yards, including a long of 19. Was Thurman injured in this game? Thur Listen to this. Thurman stats. 11 carries, 26 yards with a long of six. Three targets, two catches, negative three yards with a long of one. Did they just game plan for Thurman? I th I think he left the game hurt. I believe okay. I believe I believe he started and then got hurt in the game. If if my memory is correct at this and, point. And by the way, you can you can email me Tim at wnypla.com. You can PM me on Facebook uh, through the wnypla page. You can also follow me at Tim the Commission on Twitter, and we'll let Jim get his info out if he wants to put it out. He doesn't, so that's I'm, good. I'm good. That's fine. <laughs> um, receiving in this game, Andre Reed, 11 targets, 8 catches for 136 and 3 touchdowns. Don Beebe, 4 catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Pete Metzelars had 4 catches, I'm sorry, had 3 catches for 43 yards, and Hall of Famer James Lofton, 2 catches for 24 yards. Reich always gets credit because he was a quarterback. Was Reed the MVP? 
you know, he may have been. That was that game where, I mean, and he had been to Pro Bowls and he had been to Super Bowls before that. But to me, that was the game where every – and it still took him a long time to get in the Hall of Fame. But to me, that was the game where everybody was like, you you got to have the spotlight on number 83 because this guy's a Hall of Famer and there's not any question about it at this point. Uh, it's just fascinating. When you mention that about – people forget about James Lofton being yeah. on that team. And you think about all the guys who wound up in Canton after that. I mean, it's – it's and and you know what? The sad part is, is if one or two of those Super Bowls go differently. There's even more. Exactly. It turns into a Steelers thing where, you yeah. know, all, oh, of a sudden, absolutely. all of a sudden, you know, you, you can't look. Have you, have you noticed that online? I've, I'm, I'm, in some, I'm in some social media group about the 70s NFL, and every time somebody posts an action picture of the Steelers from the 70s, you can count the Hall of Famers. It's crazy, you know. You're like, well, there's, you know, five Hall of Famers in that picture, you know. Just in that picture. Just in that picture. Exactly. Of course, you know, they'll be playing the Cowboys, and you'll go, well, there, there's Randy White, you know. And, and there's, there's like two or three <laughs> Hall of Famers from the Cowboys in that picture. Yeah, it, it's insane. But, yeah, that's so the Bills, that tells you how great the Bills were, is that, you know, Marv's in the Hall of Fame, and Jim, and Thurman, and Andre, sure. and James Lofton, and on defense, Bruce. You know, and and by the way, this is this is my debate that I like to have with Bills fans. Is you go, who's the greatest Bills player of all time? And I and I know I know people have a lot of opinions on it, but I got to go Bruce Smith. I gotta okay. Go. I don't I don't know if anybody's ever played defensive end quite like that. Number two all time in sacks behind the Minister of Defense himself, Reggie White. I, I, I mean, the man was. I mean, he was a game changer was, defensively and one of the first like true game-changing defensive lineman, you know. I'm convinced Dan Marino still has nightmares about him. Oh, I'm sure many <laughs> I'm sure many quarterbacks do. I mean, Bruce, Bruce would tell you that he was not a nice guy on the field, that he was one mean SOB. So is this the legacy? We know it's the legacy for Frank Reich, but is this the legacy of positive in those four Super Bowl losses. Is this like, does this surpass 51 to three? Is this bigger I, than 51 to three I, in your opinion? To me, I think it is just because it's, you know, 51 to three, yeah, that, that's, that's something really special, but this was just above and beyond. This was because it was just so difficult. I, is, it the, is it the high point in the franchise? It's easy for me to say I think it is because I wasn't around to see Jack Kemp in AFL right. championships in the mid '60s. Sure, um, but yeah, to me, it's like it's it's the high point of everything I saw out of Orchard Park. But but yeah, that's I don't know. Is there? I'm trying to think. Is there anything else that's quite as good as that? I mean, I don't. I I would probably put that as the greatest Bills victory. In the history of the franchise, I've got to tell you, going the, in two weeks after that, when they wind up in Miami for the AFC Championship game, Dolphins fans and Dol- the radio station that carry the Dolphins games and the talk hosts, they were convinced the Dolphins were going to the Super Bowl. They right. were they were convinced the Dolphins were going to the Rose Bowl in Pasadena to 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 to, to play in the Super Bowl. Yeah, they were, and and you know what, that game wasn't that close. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> so my last question for you, it has to do with that actually, is. Was it surprising that the Bills did beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, beat Miami in Miami, and got back? Because it seemed like they, for lack of a better term, blew their wad in completing this 32-point epic greatest comeback of all time. You know what? There was, there was an element to that. That was the question was, did they peak? Did they 
did they was that too much and now are they just going to wind up with kind of a hangover from it and then there was the other vantage point where people said this team is you know the team of destiny is this is the team that's done this incredible miraculous thing and now they're going to go on and win the super bowl and of course the answer is nah, neither one yeah. sorry neither one <laughs> almost to that second one right they yeah. got there but but you know that let's face it that was uh the super bowl in pasadena is one of the strangest experiences I've ever be, had. <laughs> I, we will have you back to talk specifically about that. Uh, I want to thank all of you for tuning in and checking us out. I want to thank Jim White, graciously uh, donating his time and joining us. I want to thank you for donating your time and joining us. My name is Tim Samso. This is the Western New York Brian Loyalty Administration. Check us out online at WNYPLA.com. Please tell your friends about us. Do not forget that we have our Sunday night live video cast every Sunday night at 9.30. It's me. We talk We talk all things current, Bill Sabres, and Syracuse. Things that are going on through the week. We're every Sunday night at 9.30. Check us out there. And please tell your friends about our podcast. And remember, go Bills, go Sabres, go Cuse. Tell someone at home you love them, and we'll check you out next time. Thanks a lot.